If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 350 of the Severe MMA Podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Serena Williams of Irish MMA Media, Graham MacDonald, as we talk about a massive night uh, in the world of mixed martial arts at UFC uh, 271 as the middleweight title, the worst division in the UFC, but of, uh, you know, two pretty good fighters, uh, you know. Went down, went went down. Well, the worst, the go? worst men's division, anyway. The worst men's division, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> arguably, uh, they had a fight, and we'll we, we'll talk about that. And uh, it was a pretty interesting heavyweight fight, which I called absolutely correctly. Uh, there's the UFC card next week with an Irishman headlining. There uh, allegedly there is a Bellator card next week, which is terrible. And we will talk uh, all about that before we get into all of that. Though it's exciting news from our friends at Manscaped because, as you probably know by now, they've launched the uh, massive, brilliant performance package 4.0. You heard that right, 4.0. The leaders in male grooming have done it again to make grooming. And take grooming to the next level. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with the new Performance Package 4.0. You can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code SEVEREMMA. And myself and Graham have been using this since even before Christmas. So it's absolutely fantastic. But now is the time to get yours. Uh, it has arrived and man was a worth the wait. Inside the package you'll find our Lawnmower 4.0 uh, trimmer, weed whacker, ear nair, ear... And nose hair trimmer. I haven't struggled to say that in a while, but I'm 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 struggling today. Uh, the crop preserver, ball deodorant, the crop reviver, toner, the performance boxer brief, and the new travel bag as well to hold all your goodies. First, that four point oh uh, lawnmower. The trimmer is insane. Dare I say the greatest ball trimmer ever? Yes, I I said it. That's it. Their fourth generation trimmer fe- features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The lawnmower four point oh has a seven thousand RPM motor with a multifunction on and off switch, and it has the ability to turn the four thousand. K LED spotlight on and off when needed for more precise shave. Oh, and it's waterproof as well. Also, is the weed whacker to chop the worst weeds up your nose and ear. Uh, it's waterproof, 9000 RPM motor power, 360 degree rotary dual blade system. Uh, also, has the proprietary skin safe technology, which prevents nicks, sn- helps to prevent even nicks, snags, and tugs in those delic- delicate holes. Seal the deal with the Manscaped liquid formulations. These are absolutely brilliant. Anyone who's used these knows uh, their crop preserver ball deodorant um, before leaving the house and the crop toner for a mid-game ball check. Trust me when I say, fellas, your balls will thank you. Manscaped even threw in the two free gifts 
that uh, with the performance package 4.0 the manscape boxers and the shed travel bag bring your comfort and boxers to the next level so get 20 percent off and free shipping with that code severe mma at manscape.com that's 20 percent off and free shipping with the code severe mma at manscape.com your balls have been true enough this past year treat them with the best tools for the job at manscaped and while we're here as well graham before we get into the podcast this podcast will it was 350 i would say which is a bit of a milestone but it'll also uh, see us pass 1 million listeners on SoundCloud. Now, SoundCloud is our main place, kind of where we put in the website and we, we tweet around and stuff like that. Um, on all platforms, it's probably closer to maybe, I don't know, 4 million maybe or, or something like that. It's, it's hard to keep track of all of these, but I, I, think that's, uh, I think that's a pretty good feat to get the 1 million there alone. I know a lot of people listen to it there across the world. Actually, we've had... Um, we, we, we've never had many listeners in Germany, but for some reason, our listenership for the last six years has been doubled in the last month in Germany. So, uh, well, how, how did, did, we, did we talk up some German fighter or I, something? Did we say nice <laughs> things? I can't remember. I don't know. I can't remember either. But uh, yeah, our, our listenership, I suppose, in, in the US has massively jumped over the last few years. We actually have more people listen to us in America now than we have in Ireland, which is a bit crazy. But uh, we really appreciate it all. Uh, everyone that has tuned in and listened, it's it's kind of cool to see that that million mark being jumped over, um, you know, and uh, we we really appreciate the support and and the listens and every, you know it helps us when we're able to to go out and tell maybe advertisers and stuff. Oh, we've got a million people listening. Us. That that makes a difference. So we appreciate it every everyone who tunes in every week um and and supports us and uh, long may it continue now we've been doing it now it was our 60 year anniversary there a couple of weeks ago uh, and uh, hopefully we'll be here for another <laughs> another few years doing it and uh, and uh, pounding the uh, the airwaves every sunday with uh with all our friends here listening so uh we we you know there's a great community here as well going on for six years it's not the sort of one you know that uh pops up overnight or anything like that we've we've built it and everyone listening has built it as well and there's a great listenership and a great friendship as well a lot of people especially lads over in the dm group and on patreon and things as well it's absolutely uh absolutely fantastic um you know i'm looking forward to meeting somebody above it at bellator as well you're, you'll be there too graham won't you at bellator you're coming yeah so. i'll be at yeah. bellator with you so uh yeah, if you want to come up and uh, meet and take photos with Sean, that's great. Stay away from me. <laughs> I'm only joking. Uh, no, thanks to everybody for for listening. Obviously, over the years, we've had some very loyal uh, listeners who've been there the whole way uh, in the in the same class that you can actually see how many episodes people have listened to and uh, the top listeners anyway. And there's some people who've listened to every episode and we really appreciate the support on Patreon as well. And everybody that's given us a, a five-star review or shared it or liked it or recommended it to somebody else. Uh, we really appreciate it because uh, obviously we want to keep growing and um, the more, the more, the more the merrier listening to the podcast, obviously. Indeed. A hundred percent. So fair play to you. Thanks uh, very much. We'll, we'll stop there at the, the self-flagellation and get into the, uh, the old game. Also, we lost like 20% of our patrons in like the last ones. Uh, uh, and I don't know how it's some clerical thing or something. So we, we don't know how to get them back. So They're like pending or something. I don't know. Yeah, something it's so strange. weird. It's fucked up. But uh, yeah, so we've lost like loads of money. <laughs> If you fa- fancy signing up, I just bought a new computer. Hopefully, everything will be working much better the next couple of weeks when it comes. So, if you fancy signing up and helping us out, keep the lights on. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Severe MMA Podcast. You know, we just just have like the 350 episodes here, and I think it's like a thousand and ten episodes now or something on Patreon. So, that's not bad. All of that for a fiver, not, not bad at all. So, 
Fair play to y'all. God bless y'all. Right, let's talk about um, UFC 271. And I, I was thinking about how you kind of maybe wrap up this card and describe it in, in totality because there were some really good finishes, really exciting fights. Um, and then there were some kind of bland um, decisions and some kind of predictable fights. And I, I think that word predictable that I hit on, even though I've, I've, most of my bets didn't come true, we, we won't get into that here. But... I feel like it was a little bit predictable in in certain ways. Now I wouldn't say maybe the the way my Cano got the finish, the way Cannonier got the finish was predictable per se, and we will get into both of those. But I feel like the main event was a little bit predictable in kind of how it went. We all know the, the kind of two of Asa Lewis fight, and it was still good, but it was predictable. But um, yeah, yeah, I think so. You know, we did the the live pre fight stream with a few of the lads uh, before the fight, and kind of everybody, I think everybody pretty much agreed that Robert Whitaker would have to try and you know mix in takedowns and push him against the cage and make it awkward and stuff like that and that even if he did that it would be probably a, a difficult fight to, for him to win I think everybody pretty much was picking Adesanya but you know Robert Whitaker did put up a good fight he he had his moments but you know uh, for me I, I saw the scorecards um a lot of scorecards on Twitter, uh, even yours, 48-47. I, I had a 49-46, but, you know, these were really close rounds. And I think it was, you know, it played out. Robert Whitaker implemented a good game plan that we kind of, we discussed on that on that um, pre-fight show. Uh, but it just wasn't enough because at the end of the day, I think Adesanya is just a better fighter. Yeah, like I, I tweeted as well just before the fight. Uh, Robert, Robert Whitaker needs to do. I don't think taking Israel down against the cage is going to work. I think he needs like blast doubles or takedowns in the middle of the cage. I think he needs to be negative on the outside with his striking and just try to pick off little bits of shots and do it, you know, basically for five rounds, as we talked about in the pre show as well. I think a lot of people. Maybe agreed. I, I maybe agreed when I said that in the breach. I don't think a lot of analysts outside of that were, were kind of saying that, but I feel like I got it right, and, and he did exactly that, and it gave him the best chance of winning. And it wasn't enough, you know? It was, it was one of those where you see someone coming out there and they give their absolute best, I think, in terms of tactics. Maybe, you know, yeah. maybe they didn't give... Game planning was great. Yeah. Implementing, implementation, implementing the game plan was great. Maybe bar round one. But, uh, yeah, it just wasn't enough because Andy Sanya is just... I think he's just that much better. And he probably, you know... He's probably knew that Whitaker was going to try and bring this game, was prepared for it. And, you know, Whitaker was trying to follow the blueprint of, of Adesanya's loss to light heavyweight, but he just wasn't able to keep Adesanya down when he when he got him down and he wasn't able to get him down in the middle of the cage. Adesanya did a great job, obviously, of uh, getting up against the, face, the fence and getting back up. So, uh, yeah, I think I think the game plan was, was really good from Robert Whitaker and it was really well implemented from most of the fight. But, yeah, as we said, it just... It just wasn't enough. Yeah, I think the problem is, uh, like, it's funny having Bisping um, do commentary on this fight, and I thought he was generally good, and I thought the commentary wasn't bad throughout it because Bisping kept talking over Daniel Carmen, which made it fantastic. But uh, he, Bisping is probably the one person you wouldn't want to fight Adesanya if you had Robert Whitaker's skill set because Bisping is so brave and he's going to come forward and he's going to take you know 100 shots to land what he wants to do Robert Whitaker couldn't do that last night you know Bisping kept saying why is he only throwing the left why is he only throwing the left because I, I did a rewatch on Friday and if you look at it every time he drew the right hand Adesanya was just snapping back his head and countering with like a left or a right or, or both uh, and just hurting him every time. That's how he knocked him out, basically, uh, in the first fight. So Robert Whitaker knew he couldn't do that. And if he did that, it, it would just lead to 
you know, bad things happen. It would just lead to him getting finished. Look what happened at the end of the first round. He got knocked down because he did that in, in certain ways, or he was, uh, you know, he was getting, um, you know, he he was getting more kind of inclined to do it. And then in the second round, he actually was more inclined to do it in the start as well. But then he kind of changed it around and it worked a little bit well for him. I think it actually shocked Adesanya a little bit. But uh, I'll, I'll go through the rounds in a second. But I think overall, when you look at it from Robert Whitaker's point of view, it must be very, very hard to do exactly what you plan to do, stay on the outside against Izzy, not really take that many shots uh, of note apart from that one knockdown, get takedowns over and over and over again and still, like, lose the fight. That must be so disheartening, like, in the middle of the fight because it's easy for us to say, and and I think, look, I think it's a fair uh, criticism of Robert Whitaker's game last night that he didn't, he wasn't relentless enough in terms of the things he was doing the right way. And that's also an easy thing to say because you have to set takedowns up and you have to set his attacks up. So he couldn't be relentless. It was, there was so, look, there was so many integers which decided Robert Whitaker's game plan that actually couldn't be adjusted, I think, to make it, uh, you know, to make it better. But the, the problem, I think a ma- major problem for Whitaker was he was having success in every area but in every area, it wasn't enough. You know, he hit him with the, the left hand uh, over the top, maybe four or five times around, but he was getting massacred with leg kicks. Maybe not massacred, but he was getting hit with hard leg kicks, which are harder than his left hand. He was getting hit with a few jabs per round, which were harder than his jabs coming in as well, even. And when he got the takedowns, he couldn't hold any of them down. So, like... I, I, you know, we always say be relentless with your takedowns in terms of if you miss one, go for another one. If you miss one, go for another one. If you get one and he gets up, go for another one. I think Robert Whitaker did that, but every time, as I said, um, Alessandro got, got back up and it was almost as if his success was disheartening. Because when, you know, you can talk about um, ways you're going to fight, right? And if they don't work, then you can maybe become disheartened or look at the end of the fight and say, well, look, I, I, I tried my best. My game plan wasn't good enough. His game plan was good enough. You know, his game plan ex- executed exactly what he tried and it still didn't work. Like, how can you not get disheartened when that happens if you're Robert Well, I, I think I think for uh, he actually didn't get disheartened because he actually s- seemed to think or thought he was winning the fight. Uh and he thought he'd won the fight by the end, by the end he said in the post-fight interview and his reaction afterwards and even the the last 20 seconds of the fight where he kind of had Adesanya up against the cage and uh, pushing for a takedown or just a clinch and he could have if, if he thought he was behind you know he probably would have broke away and tried to land a shot but he didn't and he seemed you know surprised that he didn't, didn't win the fight uh, you know uh, I don't really see that but he seemed to think that he was yeah, when, that, when, I say, when I say disheartened maybe I mean disheartened in terms of bringing it to that extra step like if let's say Habib in, in that situation he gets Adesanya down and he gets up and uh, he gets Adesanya down he gets up he would keep going for it and hold him down he would oh, never keep training get keep training yeah. keep training it yeah if, I think Daniel Cormier actually made a, a, a good point in oh, the commentary what? where Bisbing was kind of saying oh he needs to kind of collect his his breath after that kind of high expenditure of energy but Daniel Cormier said if you're going to beat somebody like Adesanya you got to take this Absolutely. away from him. you got to you got to be 100% for the round if you can't you're not going to beat him yeah, but and it's in different ways as well though because I think if he did go and I, I said I compare to you what he should do to Khabib there I don't think that's correct in terms of that but when he got the takedown he needed to secure that like that was life or death for him that was when you win the fight 
um, and, and he wasn't able to do that. That's why I think he got a little bit disheartened in, in, in those terms, because he knew every time he took him down that Adesanya was going to get up, get back up. So as Cormier kind of said, it was just an expansion of energy uh, w- when he did that. And it was that's just such a disheartening thing. But I actually think, you know, towards the end, I, and I, exactly, I know exactly what you mean about the end there. It was one of those ones, though, where, the f- where his game plan was executed so well that Adesanya actually didn't land that much, but Whitaker landed even less. <laughs> that was the big problem for him. It was, and we saw. Look, the judging. We'll get into the judging. They're in Texas now. Let's let's remember that before we talk about anything. Uh, but it could have been like he, uh, if I was Robert Whitaker at the end of that fight, too. I probably, you know, seen the cards earlier in the night, thinking I could have got a card, thinking I could have won that. Because and it, if that was the old rules, like you know, maybe with the takedowns, he would have got the knot like years ago. Yeah, and Texas are kind of half working with the old rules, but I still, I think even then it it'd be a stretch to give it to him but yeah I, I look to, to run through the fight I suppose quickly uh, in round one there was a lot of leg kicks from Israel Adesanya um, he knocked down Robert Whitaker with a nice straight left with maybe 30 seconds ish or a minute left in the in the round and then he kind of calmed down the crowd <laughs> said like hold on wait up um, Robert Whitaker was kind of circling well but not not doing too much and Izzy like Izzy the, uh, as I said in the commentary as well, the, the Ulberg fight earlier in the night, he will just tap you and tap you and tap you from the outside if you give him that opportunity, and that's exactly what Whitaker did. Uh, in the second round, Robert Whitaker was coming out and he was going forward more. He landed four or five of those kind of long, leaping jabs inside, as I talked about earlier on. Uh, he got a takedown as well, but Izzy got up. Izzy was landing the, the leg kicks as well. Very, very close. I gave that one to Whitaker. I know you didn't. I, I think it was 50-50 between people who did and didn't give it uh, either way. Uh, the thirds, uh, there was a late head kick from Adesanya, and I thought that was the best shot of the round, to be honest. Um, and I thought it hurt Robert Whitaker a little bit. Whitaker did get a takedown in the third, but Izzy got up quickly. Very, very close round again. Absolutely nodding in it. I gave it to uh, Adesanya. Very little from Robert Whitaker, I thought, in the fourth. I thought this was another kind of clearish round from Whitaker, or for Adesanya, sorry, even though two judges did give it to him, uh, did give it to Whitaker. Um, Izzy landed more, I thought. Robert's takedown, he took the back at one stage, so maybe that was enough for, for the judges in, in, in the weird Texas uh, system. And in the fourth, uh, Whitaker got a takedown. Maybe it, was, was it the third or the fourth where uh, Adesanya kind of acknowledged a, a punch on the break? Uh, yeah, that was the fifth, I think. Yeah, he, oh, he landed okay, some sorry. good shots. And I, I think most people gave uh, gave Whitaker the fifth. So, like, the thing about it was, right, I, I gave him the second and no judge gave him the second. One judge, and I'm, I'm talking about Whitaker here, so I gave him the second. One judge gave him the third. Two judges gave him the fourth. And two judges gave him the fifth. So it's not beyond the runs of possibility whatsoever that Robert Whitaker could have won that fight. It was a very close fight. It was like a little bit like last week. You know, I did a video over in Sherdown. We talked about it here in the podcast. The uh, the Hermanson-Strickland um, fight. There was it, it was a fight that we all kind of saw one lad was winning. But when you look at it, in, from a judge's point of view, are you you know you you um, break it down maybe frame by frame or punch by punch? There's actually you go, where's the impact strikes? Yeah, yeah. there's nothing in it. When there are very few impact strikes, it's very hard to decipher who won around. Like the first round, easy to decipher who won that round because Robert Whittaker got put in his arse with a straight left. Very easy to decipher who won that and. You know, the rest of the rounds just weren't. So there was there was four rounds that could have gone either way. Now I, I think the judges got it right, and I think they they gave it to the right person. But uh, it was it was a closer fight, and that look that's how Robert Whitaker designed it. But that's a very very tough fight to win against uh, uh, against Israel Adesanya. One thing I want to say as well about Adesanya, maybe you know, I, I spoke last week on the preview show 
and talked about how Adesanya is happy to have a boring fight. Um, and this wasn't necessarily boring. It was in certain ways. Like, this is the one where you're watching live, and it's maybe not boring because you're looking for things to happen, but watching it back, it'd just be a snooze fest. Like, I, do you think Adesanya needs to open a little bit? Like, to, to be this superstar that he keeps claiming he is and everyone keeps claiming he is, do the fights need to kind of go with that? Do, does he need to be more exciting? And, like, the, the thing about it is, right, and I'll, I'll preface this by saying Robert Whittaker is probably the only guy in that middleweight division at the moment who can lay a glove on him. I don't think anyone else is touching Adesanya, but does he need to be more exciting a bit? Well, he kind of talked about it himself, about performing and, and stuff like that. But, yeah, I think probably this what this fight is a case of he thinks Robert Whitaker is the biggest challenge in the division to him. And he's like, I can I can win this quite comfortably if I if I fight this style. I could get caught up in some, caught up in something if I if I try to be more aggressive or more more like uh, highlight realish. Then yeah, I think that might have played into Robert Whitaker's hands. It would have been a bad idea if he's if he's going in there against you know an, a fresh opponent in the middleweight division that isn't on the level of. Um, of uh, Whitaker, then I, I'd expect him to kind of go back to you know having a bit more uh, flair and things like that in the, in the fight. But I think it's just a just a matter of circumstance against Vittori. He was coming back from his first loss, so he obviously wants to win that and uh, you know take not take a chance there. And then Whitaker, as I said, is probably uh, if not in in, in Adesanya's head, if not his uh, biggest opponent uh, in the division, then one of them. So. I think we probably will, depending on if the opponents aren't the level of um, Robert Whitaker. I, I, I'd expect uh, us to see more more flair and more uh, outlandishness from from Israel. Yeah, I, I kind of had this ongoing joke on about the middleweight division being terrible, and it it's a joke in one way, but also it's true, <laughs> very true in another way. Like this division isn't great. If you look down through it, I I, I tweeted during the week like that after Robert Whitaker, what is there? Now, okay, we'll, we'll get to Jared Cannonier next against Derek Brunson. Um, but I don't think... Sean Strickland? I, like, uh, is it, yeah. No, I, I don't think any of them are laying a glove on, on Adesanya in any way. Now, they'll bring different challenges to, to Robert Whitaker and to each other as well, but I just find it very, very hard to see Adesanya being challenged. I know, you know, he's a little bit older, I suppose, and he is... Um, you know he's on about going back to light heavyweight and things like that as well, and he's getting more money now. And, and then we know that the challenges that brings with uh, with fighters and on all different sorts of uh, of sports people. So I don't know. I just find it very hard to see Adesanya losing in the next while. And I I taught myself how to say yeah. that champions. But what do you think? Yeah, if he is if he if he is to move up to light heavyweight, I'd like to see him vacate the middleweight belt and bulk up and not have to worry about getting back down to to middleweight. Yeah, um, not big enough. Yeah, because you know, obviously, maybe the the skill level isn't uh, his skill level is is higher than nearly all the guys in the light heavyweight division. But these are like big guys. Like Robert Whitaker, obviously, has fought at welterweight before, so you know it's a different it's a different kettle of fish. And somebody like Jan, or you know, even you know, I I don't know. I just think Adesanya needs to. He should stay at middleweight, or he should stay at light heavyweight. Bouncing between both, I think, is is a bad idea. I I would tend to agree with that. Yeah, we saw the same with Holloway. I think that time when he moved up to lightweight, he just I think okay, Parry is a very good fighter, but it was the size I think that that killed him more than anything else. But yeah, I, I would uh, I would tend to agree with that. Let's talk, I suppose, about Jared Cannonier a little bit. So and that fight with with Derek Brunson, he looks. 
uh, like he's going to be the next challenger. I think Dana White even confirmed it at the, the post-fight uh, press conference. Uh, not a great start, though, for Cannoneer in this fight yeah. at all. Uh, Brunson got a knockdown late after a few takedowns in the first round. He was landing... I thought he was landing harder on the feet anyway, even though it kind of... It went back to old Brunson. You know, I was giving Brunson the build-up that he's becoming a more technical, you know, uh, more more of a, a sweet striker, and then he just completely reversed uh, in this one. And something happened to Brunson in the second round. Now, uh, Cannonier landed a very good uh, elbow, and that, that hurt him at, at the very start. And then there was, you know, three minutes of Brunson just looking hurt. And I, I don't know. But looking so tired as well. I don't know, what like, I don't know how he, We don't see guys hurt for like three minutes usually. No. Uh, so I don't know. It looked like he was exhausted. or uh, It looked to me like he broke adrenaline collarbone or something. Or something. I don't know. It was weird. It, it, I've never seen anything like it. And so some people saying, oh, Brunson gets tired. Yeah, but Brunson gets tired and he gets a bit sloppy. And yeah, like you don't fall off a cliff a like that. Like, yeah. yeah, he was just kind of standing there. He looked stiff more than tired at that. Every, look, everyone's going to look tired seven or eight minutes into a, a, a very very you know important fight like this but i think something happened i think he must have i don't know did he break a leg or break a fucking something happened that i i'm, I'm convinced of something happened i haven't listened to the press conference. Went maybe a really bad weight cut or something i, I maybe, don't know it, yeah. it was just very strange yeah, very, it was very odd because you see we see people getting tired all the time we see people like getting hurt with shots or it's or usually injured. a bit gradual though it's not yeah. like all of a sudden you're just banjaks no it's it, and even with the fights recently you know the chikadze fight where you know he kind of got up from a takedown he wasn't the same after it you can kind of see it. You're going to, as you said, a gradual kind of, oh no, I'm falling off a cliff. Oh no, I'm getting tired. And they kind of panic a little bit. He, I don't know. He wasn't panicking. It was like he knew what was wrong with him and no one else knew. Uh, so I don't know. It was just very, I'm not t- take that away from Cannoneer because, you know, maybe it was that shot. Maybe it was a concussion. Like that, that's, that's a very, very, uh, you know, <sighs> Uh, logical thing for it to be, I suppose. In, in yeah, a if he was concussed in a training camp, yeah. can, comes into the fight, takes a decent shot and can't recover, that could be yeah. it as well. Or even if the cannoneer shot just concussed him and he was on, you know, wobbly legs for the whole thing. I, I was, it's just very odd. I just, I don't think I've seen anything like that before. It was, it was very bizarre altogether. But ha- having said that, uh, cannoneer did the job. You know, um, he he was landing some big, big shots on the feet. Brunson got badly hurt and in a vicious elbow to, to finish it. Kerry Hatley, the referee, was a little bit slow in, but I think people were maybe a little bit too critical of him. Uh, he gave uh, Brunson a chance and knock it. There was a couple of elbows too much, no doubt about it. But, you know, sometimes in this game you have to get finished and that's exactly what uh, what Derek Brunson uh, did here, unfortunately for him. But um, Jared Cannonier for Israel Adesanya, after watching that first round, I don't think... Yeah, uh, if you if you want Israel to get back to his um, you know flair game, then this <laughs> yeah. is a nice nice matchup for him. Yeah, because Cannonier uh, as well is the type of guy who he's not a bad technical striker, and he has a bit of power, and he will like come at you with boxing. He'll back himself. But he that's will. a bad idea. <laughs> he will, and that's the worst thing you could do against Adesanya. So yeah, I feel like that's not going to be a great uh, a great all night at the office for Jared Cannonier. But you never know; he has power. Uh, Adesanya does take a shot at times. You know, he he likes to talk about himself as this defensive dynamo, and he is that for for large periods. But it's MMA, but, you're gonna take shots. Like, yeah, it is. Yeah, without, without a shadow of a doubt. But yeah, it look, it's a fight I'll, I'll look forward to and I'll watch. But uh, yeah, I think uh, you're, if the MMA community is picking that one, you're probably getting ninety nine percent picking uh, Israel Adesanya in that one. So it's. Uh, 
not not the marquee matchup we're looking forward to, like in some other divisions. If you're looking towards, you know, Yan versus Sterling, or maybe, uh, you know, uh, wh- whoever it might be, Gaethje versus uh, Oliveira. There's some standout matchups, or even like Makachev coming up to get the title or something like that. It feels like the next fight at middleweight isn't a, a massive fight that we're all looking forward to, and there's nothing down the line like Darren Till or Uriah Hall or none of these lads are standing out maybe Strickland is, is the guy that will stand out and say wacky things and build up a fight but I don't know it, I'm just very down in middleweight at the moment like what middleweight needs is some it, it, you know it needs a Shemaev or something I know he's fought at middleweight but it needs someone like that to, to rise and come up through it and uh, and devastate everyone and come in at like 15 and all to be challenging uh, <laughs> Adesanya but uh, we'll uh, we'll see if that happens or if Usman gets, gets a little bored at a welterweight that could uh, be a very I, interesting match this, this Usman Adesanya thing where they, one week they said uh, Usman says he'll fight him and then the next week he says he won't and Adesanya says he won't fight him and I think it's bizarre. And Usman and Habib as well refusing to fight each other. It's like, come on, for fuck's sake. They're like... Uh, it, but it, if, if, if Adesanya has this new big contract and Dana says, here, you're fighting this guy, he's like, <laughs> can he say no? Probably, I don't know. Maybe. Connors, his manager, get on, get on them there and ask him. I don't know. But yeah, I, I don't know. It, it just feels like these lads want to avoid these big fights these days. It's... I don't know, and, and maybe it's because they're not getting paid enough. Maybe, well, like maybe moving, up a, moving up a bit, as you say, you're not getting paid uh, anymore, probably. You're probably getting the same wage. You're moving up uh, 15, 10, 15, 20 pounds. You're, it's a risk. Like, we've seen it with Max Holloway. We've seen it with Adesanya. It's 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 not easy to move up weight uh, and win against, a, like, a top contender or a champion. So, yeah, it's definitely a risk. And, uh, you know, as fans, we definitely want to see it and, and, and all that. But... It, it isn't as easy as as maybe people think to to well, move up. Uh, yeah, indeed. But I, I think Usman is a pretty big welterweight. Like he looks, uh, you know, he looks pretty cut on the um, on the scale. He's a broken hand now as well. So maybe yeah. the if he wants to leave to the welterweight division behind and go to middleweight, like, yeah. like kind of like I said earlier, I don't like too much of this jumping between weights. Uh, yeah. You know, back and forth. But yeah, like in the actual middleweight division right now. Yeah, there isn't much there at all. Like I, we're looking at Sean Strickland, and if Sean Strickland goes in there against Alessandro, like, yeah. yeah, I don't think I don't think his kind of sparring style is gonna gonna fly there. I think if Colby Covington moved to middleweight, he'd probably be champion. Like I'd pick Colby to beat Alessandro. I think. I think he uh, could I take him down. So. No, do you not think so? Uh, uh, <laughs> this is coming from the lad who once said Cowboy would beat Colby. So, look out for that in an upcoming uh, video. Yeah, indeed, indeed. I was looking for her last night. Actually, I played a bit of it, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't there, but. Uh, yeah, anyway, come here, before we get in, into the rest of it, uh, what was your take on, on Joe Rogan not being uh, on, on commentary last night? You know, they said he had a previous uh, engagement or something like that. Didn't they know why he said I actually just looked at Aaron Bronson or tweeted it out uh, that said Rogan decided not to, to put himself on the card. Now, we're not going to get into a big political debate or a Joe Rogan debate. This is an MMA podcast, but... Uh, what were, what was your thoughts on it? As someone who's followed Joe Rogan's career throughout and and, and everything like that, on on him not being in the commentary last night. Yeah, um, if it was his own decision, it's hard to know what to believe. But if it was his own decision and he just wants to kind of, you know, sit it out for a while, let the let the storm kind of blow over. Hopefully, for from his perspective, uh, maybe that maybe that is the best thing to do to not kind of have this. Uh, 
spotlight on him when it should be on the fighters. Maybe that's what he's thinking, but it's really hard to know if we can believe what, what Dana says or, what, you know what I mean? His history of, of telling the truth isn't really there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, look, the, the thing about it is like, it, it was a very weird week, obviously, for Joe Rogan. If you're living under a rock, they had, you know, he... Everyone's been on him for all the, the COVID misinformation and all of this and for having, you know, these... Uh, experts Dan- dangerous conversations, <laughs> dangerous conversations <laughs> on his podcast and, and things like that and then it turned to like an old video um, uh, of him saying the n-word over and over and over again which well I think is... though in fairness the the little clips are you know there's no context yeah in obviously but that, everyone, saw, was, he said that was, himself there... and everyone has said that but like you're not allowed and to say that word in context yeah, even, but he so. was saying oh this person said uh, yeah, it was a lot of that. Yeah, in it fairness, was, it was. just to just to clarify that. In, indeed, yeah, but uh, yeah, he, he it was he Ill, is, ill-advised, but it wasn't what a lot of people are making it out to be, in my opinion. Yeah, as someone who has watched the Rogan podcast at the times when he was doing that, I have watched. I watched the odd one every now and then if Quentin Tarantino or something is on. But uh, he used to say it all the time, just because like he was like, I don't think we should not be able to say any words, and then he kind of wised up to that. Maybe he's like, we're given a power and stuff like that. But yeah, then he, yeah, yeah, he, he, he definitely evolved, like three or like, four you know, years if, ago. If, you can't he came out and said here like i shouldn't have said it it looked bad i didn't mean like that but i know now you know people are allowed you know evolve over 12 years <laughs> yeah and, uh, but that's i suppose that's that's a different debate whatever your your side on it is uh and whether and i think look the weird thing as well as people like people like tweeting out pictures of joe rogan i support joe after it's like let's let, maybe maybe hold back on that after uh, <laughs> this video gets fucking released like yeah, people are so weird it's like they're almost they saw this and they jumped on an opportunity it's like okay like okay R- rogan i'm not i don't think anyone is saying put rogan away forever and cancel him or anything like that okay maybe some people are absolutely but I loads think, of people are yeah. <laughs> they're, they're getting letters with fake doctors and stuff to try and cancel them uh, sure look these things happen but i, I look i think there was probably the right decision to pull rogan and and uh, in the middle of this because as you uh, as you say like they have black history month up on the screen throughout this whole thing and then you have a guy like uh embroiled in this for the last month you know talking about it on the screen while it's happening you just i just don't think you can have that uh, and look I, i'm sure it's not a ufc decision because they would not give a single shit dana white either would not give a single shit i think that has been par for the course for them they'd probably like this more than uh, fucking hate it i would say but uh, yeah. i think like you know Disney, if we look at a ESPN. football example of, of kurt zoom and the cat i think playing yeah. him, him being publicly kind of put out there recently after the incident made it way worse yeah, <laughs> absolutely you know so maybe you know yeah. i don't think i don't th- i think it was probably a good decision for rogan not to be there even if you support him or don't support him yeah 100 percent. the weird thing about it was though like the lack of transparency i think maybe dana white saying rogan decided not to go come himself what was my maybe the most transparent thing in that like someone probably said well joe do you want to commentate this week um <laughs> you know it was probably one of those more than rogan ringing him up and going here lads i'm not commentating this week so uh yeah it, w- it was definitely a dicey situation there as, as some people would say but um you know you you can't blame and I, i'm sure joe rogan uh Joe Rogan will be back, but when I say you can't blame, you can't blame if it was Disney or ESPN or whatever, and they wanted Joe Rogan not to comment in on it. I, I definitely didn't, don't think you can blame. And if it was even Joe Rogan himself wanting this to, to kind of blow over or whatever, and people to get onto the next uh, storm, you probably can't blame uh, blame that either. So, 
you know, the commentary didn't suffer. I thought the commentary was good. I thought Bisping was very good. And as I said earlier, he talked over Cormier a lot, so it made the commentary even better. Um, <laughs> the weird thing about Cormier, right, and not to go into a Cormier uh, spiel here or anything, I don't know if you saw it during the week, Ariel put up a clip of him and Cormier, and Ariel mentioned the, the Korean Zombies t-shirt. And then, uh, 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 Daniel Cormier was like, I can't believe you keep bringing up these obscure things that nobody has heard about. Like, who the what? fuck has It was like the Dana was wearing them yeah, for like weeks everyone. when WBC wasn't even, you know, merged with the UFC. And they were like one of the most Bizarre. popular, but even, popular even if you t-shirts in, in... Even if you yeah. weren't watching in, the Green Zombie has like worn that t-shirt and fans have worn that t-shirt for years after. And like uh, Mark Coleman came on last night. He was in the corner one of the lads here. And uh, Cormier was calling him Coley and stuff. It's like, you've never heard of Mark Coleman. What are you talking about? Like, it, it just feels like sometimes... That, and we all have it in different ways and when we were doing podcasts and, and things and nobody can be perfect all the time but if you're in that role and you don't know anything about MMA really outside of maybe, you know a few takedowns and stuff like that it's it just you sound so bad and as well he kept calling tied to Ivasa Big Bam his name is Bam Bam like he keep, kept calling I thought he misspoke once he kept calling him Big Bam it's like this is the core man of this like and you can't get the guy's nickname yeah. right Oh my god! No, it's just... bad. It's bad. I thought it was funny with Bisping was a couple of times he was like um, after seeing that interview, obviously with Dominic Cruz and stuff, uh, or to sit down with Dominic Cruz, uh, DC, and Bisping, and Bisping was saying in the, in the commentary, "Well, I was watching uh, this guy's fight against somebody this morning, <laughs> kind of talking over Cormier." Yeah, like, if, brilliant. Uh, you wouldn't know. You <laughs> don't like, even watch the fights. <laughs> he was like, "I did my research on someone." I was like, "Oh yeah, perfect, perfect." But uh, let's, let's talk. Having uh, jabs at Daniel. <laughs> yeah, I love it, love it. Let's talk about Big Bam tied to. Uh, we're gonna have to just call him Big Bam from now on, I think. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, we we got to talk about your tweet, your 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 promise. Go on. Oh yeah. Well, okay. I promised if Tai Tuivasa would win this fight, I will do a shoey on the next uh, live stream. I don't know. It should be maybe it should be the next pay per view live stream. If not, I'll do it next Thursday. I will, I will absolutely one hundred percent do it. So send send your smellier shoes to to Sean. <laughs> Sean we'll pick G the smelliest shoe we can find. <laughs> Issue. I, uh, I was actually uh, I have one pair of shoes I wear all the time they're Under Armour ones but there's holes in them I'm going to have to get like a shoe shoe like I, I have shoes that have been there for fucking years I'm like I will not get a new like shoe, a in those, shoe I promise like a, yeah. the formal shoe yeah that that'd be the best one to do it out of I think so I'll get one of them and I'll, I'll do it next uh, the next time, maybe, maybe the stars. I'll, I'll let everyone know anyway. But uh, hey, hey, we, we can do a time comparison. Tie two of us is versus the Shanxi and Chewy. Oh, I would down it. Shuey way quicker than tie two of us. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Can't we wait. have to tune in. You have to tune uh, in. We'll have to tune in. We'll have to. Shuey coming to the Sheehan Chewy. Hashtag Sheehan Chewy. It's coming soon. But uh, yeah, tie two of us walked out to Girls Just Want to Have Fun, which. Uh, used to be my party piece. I used to stand up. There's a picture of me on Facebook up singing. Girl just want to have fun at the 21st one time. I was bopping to that when he, he came out. Absolutely fantastic stuff altogether. The whole crowd were behind him, even though Derek Lewis is from uh, Houston. And, uh, <laughs> you know, two of us came in there. Uh, and what what a fight it was. You know, it was absolutely insane. I'm just looking here at my notes, and I didn't actually take any notes. Oh, no, I did. Hold on. Uh, there was loads of clinching in the first round. Yeah, and I almost forgot about that. There was such madness here. I I, I, uh, you were, I think you were happy with uh, Big Tan Dan's uh, separation. Yeah, oh, it was, it was perfect. I was delighted. I was fucking up clapping and everything. I was like, come on, Dan. He separated him after maybe 30 seconds. He was absolutely brilliant. The, the biggest shots of round one 
were when um, Derek Lewis took Tai Tuivasa down and landed maybe 10, maybe a little bit less uh, shots of ground and pound as Tuivasa was on his knees. And he, he, you know, he didn't, I didn't think he hurt him per se, but I think in that clinch, Tuivasa throughout the every time they kind of broke a little bit, he was landing the better, shorter shots. I thought, even though, but when it, when it got to like long distance and Lewis started throwing that head kick and that switch kick, and then he was like coming in inside when he did land, and he didn't land very often. I thought he was hurting Tuivasa and landing some good shots, but when it came to the clinch in the second round, and I I was looking, I was like, Tuivasa is hurting him here, and they're not even realizing it. Tuivasa had him hurt twice maybe in the 10-15 seconds before he actually kind of hurt him and knocked him out. Lewis was was in pain. Lewis was in a bad way before he got knocked out. But then the beautiful elbow came and he finished him off. And this was exactly why I picked Tai Tuivasa. I was the only one in all the severe May picks to pick Tai Tuivasa. Everyone else picked Derek Lewis. And to me, it's the more technical fighter all around that will win in firefights. Not firefights, but power fights like that. When the more powerful guy... Uh, is is you know, or when it's two, a matchup of two powerful guys, I always feel like the one with slightly better technique that will land the shots in, in a more clean way will win the fight. And those four or five shots out of the clinch, dirty boxing or dirty elbows or whatever you want to call it, I thought it won tie to Evasa the fight, and I thought it was yeah. the better fighter. Fighter won that fight, and that's the way it, it turned out. What, what did you think? And finally, finally, picking against her, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No, I thought Derek Lewis was was going to be the more powerful man, and uh, he he land uh, when he landed the kind of shots you talked about. I think he threw about ten, but he probably only landed about five or six, and I think maybe two or three of them were big shots, in my opinion. And uh, Tai Tuivasa took them really well, and you know came back and didn't take a backward step. Uh, one thing I will it was a brilliant performance from Tai Tuivasa, but one thing I will mention is there was like a headbutt to the chin in the in the finishing sequence that was kind of glossed over, which might have been a, a case of, you know, if the ref had a spot of it, it might have been a timeout, which might have saved Derek Lewis there. But I think, you know, it looked like it was only going one way. As you mentioned, I think the commentators kind of overlooked the fact that uh, Derek Lewis was getting stung with a few shots. Uh, they, they didn't really mention them. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, besides the, the headbutt, it was a it was a perfect performance from Taito Ivasa. He obviously had some some um, adversity to overcome and did well. But I think Derek Lewis just, I don't know, he looked hurt, as you said, early, and he just couldn't recover. And Tai Tuivasa put him away well. But I just thought I'd mention the headbutt to the chin. I don't know if you noticed uh, that. I didn't see it at all. Was it a headbutt or a clash ahead? Like, did he mean to Well, it was a head to the chin, which is, like, probably going to, Stun you, you know, an illegal strike, even if it was, even if it was a... Uh, was it a strike, like, or did he just, they just clash heads? Well, he, he was head to chin, so he didn't clash heads. It was head to chin. Okay, I'll have to go back and look at that. I look at that before the Q and A. So yeah, actually, get your questions in as well for the Q and A. I'll be doing a Sunday evening because I'm going away on Monday. So yeah, but uh, yeah, look to Ivasa. I think with this, I didn't see that, but I'll go back and watch it. He vaults himself into uh, into the conversation here. You know, beating Derek Lewis means something. Uh, and you know, people calling for Ganya, which I couldn't think of a worse fight to make right now. Like, why would you make Ganya versus Tuivasa? Ganya's probably going to win that fight, and you just take away a contender that's kind of coming up. I, I would, I would even nearly just leave him out or see what's going to happen with that with that division. Even it if sounds it were, like something the matchmakers these days would do. Though. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> it was the first thought in my head. Honestly, it was that they're going to make that fight. 
a senseless fight. I look, it'd be a fun fight and a good fight. It 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 makes sense, I suppose, in terms of the division, but or in terms of the rankings. But in terms of the division, it doesn't. It's ah, just they need to avoid that and build this guy up and and. They need to keep contenders. Look at middleweight. We were just talking about it there. (laughs) You know, because it's sparse there. Maybe that's a different case. But if you put guys against each other that are potential contenders, then you just you just lose a contender for at least a few fights. Yeah, a massive problem for the last few years is the contender that's emerged every time to be the next guy has been Derek Lewis. And now they have a guy who's got over Derek Lewis to emerge. So keep him. Like, keep him on the back burner. Don't even give him a fight. If you want to do another fight or title fight or whatever, do that and then put in tie to Ivasa next. A win over Derek Lewis is enough to earn you a title shot. Uh, you know, because of all the disruptions in that division, it doesn't look like Ngannou's going to fight. Although he did have a meeting with Dana White, so maybe it's it's more likely. Uh, I don't know what Steep is doing. I don't know what John Jones is doing. So hold him back see what what happens there don't give him a fight yet and or give him, an, give him a relatively easy fight like uh, Brad Wharton's boy uh, Andrei Arlovsky who will probably Arlovsky, come on to yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll, come on, we'll come on to him in a second we must mention the judging though or we go, go on to anything else um, oh my god Robert Alexander one of the worst cards ever in UFC history. It must be. It's definitely up there, uh, given Roxanne Mataferi. Are you trying to say Roxy didn't win that fight? No, or, I'm, or I'm trying to say that. <laughs> I, I, am, I absolutely said that. Uh, just no way in hell. Like, I I spoke to a few people uh, in the know, <laughs> you know, who know a lot about judging, and every single one of them, I was like, Did, is there something I missed here? Like, because I like to give the benefit of the doubt to the judges, as everyone probably knows at this stage. She must have got hit in the face hard about 150 uh, times. So. Yeah, it was like the most <laughs> strikes ever in a, a fighter. There's just no way Casey O'Neill any of or lost any of these rounds. And the other two judges gave a 29 28 yeah. to Roxy. That was even yeah. when I heard when I heard the first scorecard being read out, I'm like, oh, that's a bit of a 29 28. That's yeah. a bit mad. And then I was like, oh, it's <laughs> what the fuck's going on here? It, it was absolutely r- ridiculous. Like, Robert Alexander. There's a strange genuinely... thing with Roxy, though, with everybody seems to. Oh, they love her, yeah. Oh, I don't know. There's some weird thing going on there. I'm not really sure what that's about. You hate her, don't you? You're the only one in there. I don't hate her. I'm just, I'm just like, it's kind of like the Tony Ferguson thing. I'm just more realistic about yeah, where it's it. True, yeah. I, I'm not buying this hype out of nowhere or this over. Um, I don't know, overhyping or over evaluating their skill sets and yeah. their Bis- performances. Bisping did a great job, I think, of, of commentating on the fight, just talking about how Roxy was getting chewed up throughout the whole fight. Like, she got a takedown, I think, in the second round, maybe, uh, but didn't absolutely nothing with it. Casey O'Neill was just jabbing her up and beating her to, uh, to a pulp throughout the whole fight. There, was, there wasn't a minute of that fight that Roxanne Mataferi won, like. There's no argument whatsoever for any round. I cannot believe three judges gave her a round. I cannot believe one judge gave her two rounds. It was ridiculous. Uh, you can't believe it, though. It's Texas. It's, it's like, Texas, no. yeah. People need to realise as well. Like, Texas... Th- this I think guy... you even tweeted out before the... Oh, yeah, before <laughs> the fight started. started like yeah. a... There's no problem with the rules. This is just Texas the, before the dog we even didn't like it. The dog didn't like the Texas judging. But, yeah, if people don't know, when they go to Texas, they bring one or two good judges with them, the UFC. But in Texas, the commission have their own guys who literally only judge... When the UFC comes to town so like this guy I think he judged like two fights ever or something like that there's some other guys who literally have judged like four fight nights 
uh, ever since like 2004 and they're all UFCs and that's all they do and the, 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 the Texas Commission have like different rules they're not using the the um, the criteria if you go to Eric McGracken he has it up there some of the rules and some of the things that they use I actually got on to Texas before um, and I did an article for Severe and May about the new rules and the changes in the criteria and Texas basically said, "Oh no, we're not, we're not signing up for them at all. We're not, we're not using them." So, we literally, we're Texas, we'll do our own thing. <laughs> it's literally like having a one FC fight or something like that because the rules are completely different. The criteria is completely different. Also, he did the same judge gave Jared Vandera a round against Andrei Arlovsky. You know, he gave him two rounds. He gave him two rounds. He gave him the fight. Yeah. yeah, he gave him the fight. Twenty-nine, <laughs> twenty-eight. It was ridiculous. Like Arlovsky just bit the shit out of him for the whole fight as well. It was. Absolutely. Well, the, third, the third round was yeah, yeah the third round is debatable, but yeah. the the first two rounds were were not debatable. Yeah, but uh terrible <laughs> and it's not like me to come on and say terrible judging, but this was horrific, horrific judging. Luckily, you know, even in the main event we had fucking Doug Crosby and two referees uh <laughs> judging it. So I know and they did a good job. They got the right decision, you know, in the end. But uh yeah, it's not the best. Like I and I've said it over and over. When you see bad judging like this, you know what good, good judging looks like. And all the, wh- why aren't the best judges in the world being flown in, whether it's from Vegas, whether it's from fucking Germany or England or Ireland, whatever it might be? If we're having these big championship fights, we need the best judges in the world on them, and they should be. We can't have local guys who are fucking signed up to, to judge fights and do it once every two years. It's, it's Or two guys it's who aren't even up. judges yeah, in the main event of a pay-per-view. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a bit ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. it is. Well, now, you know, Beltran, and they, they have judge, absolutely, but they're predominantly referees. But yeah, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Anyway... Um, we'll be here all day. This podcast is running awful long, so let's uh, run through some of these pretty quickly. Hinata Maikana made a lot easier work of Alexander Hernandez uh, than I expected, to be honest. I thought he'd win, and I picked him to win, uh, but it was, you know, it was a very, 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 very dominant display. After the the relatively even first rounds, Hernandez landed a couple of good shots, but Maikana was able to get takedowns. In the second round, just, you know, I came out, got the rear naked chuck. He bursted open Hernandez's face as well. And Hernandez kind of wilted away, got the fight to the ground, got the rear naked chuck. McCann looked big and strong at the division. I thought as well, sometimes McCann, we, we've, you know, I, I, I said it about three or four fighters last week. And Bobby Green maybe being one of them, which we'll get to next as well. When these guys show up, they're brilliant. But we don't know if they're always going to show up. And I think McCann is one of them. But Moicano sometimes he shows up and it looks like he can't box or jab at all. And then other times he shows up and he looks like he's a brilliant jab. But this time he showed up and I thought his boxing was phenomenal. I thought it it had gone up massively. I don't know, did you notice that as well? What, what, what did you think of this fight? A very good win for yeah. Moicano, wasn't it? Uh- I just think Alexander Hernandez, like, you know, he got, he got everything he wanted. He was on the pay-per-view. <laughs> so now looking at his uh, record, you know, he's lost. He's been finished for punches with Drew Dober. He lost a decision to Thiago Moise. You know, his, his wins are over Mike Breen and, and Chris Grutemacher you know, recently. So I, I think he's just, Mike Khan is just a way better fighter. And uh, maybe when Mike, my kind of uh, steps up again. He he'll run into the same problems that you spoke about there. But I think this was just a relatively easy fight for him, a good matchup for him, and uh, yeah. he's just a better all-round fighter. Yeah, and I think the same could probably be said for Bobby Green against Nazareth Hakparas. Even though I picked Hakparas coming in, 
Um, and I thought he actually fought relatively yeah. well, to be honest. But Bobby Green was just too jabbing him up, jabbing, jabbing him up, but yeah. too defensively it good on the outside. Yeah, as as I predicted, uh, it would go. Uh, there's always that bit of trepidation with Bobby Green, as I say, as you mentioned there, and as I said on the live stream before the fight, you never really can be sure which Bobby Green's going to show up. So. Um, yeah, I think uh, once Bobby Green had kind of shown in the first round that he was that he was on form, it, it was only going one way, and that's the way it went. Indeed, yeah. Andrei Arlovsky fights as well. They only go in one way, and that's decision wins for Andrei yeah. Arlovsky. We told you that was the biggest guarantee in, guarantee. in the history. Yeah. I, I didn't put it in my betting for some reason. I don't think there was a great price, but uh, ba- basically just an Andrei Arlovsky fight against some lad, and uh, yeah, that's that's the way it was. We weren't sticking that too much. Casey O'Neill and, and Mataferi, okay, we, we talked about decisions, so we leave that. And we, I, I didn't think Casey... And now, I did bet on her to win inside the distance and put a big bet on it as well, and she didn't do it, so maybe I'm a little bit mad, and maybe maybe I, my dreams were crushed, but... Does she have power, though? I don't know. She, oh, I don't know. She looked like she did yeah. before, but this is a worry. Like, as someone who said, oh, Casey O'Neill could be the next... The next big thing, and okay, she's only nine and zero, and Roxy is a tough fighter to fight against because she makes it look awkward. Forty-five fights as well. Yeah. Uh, you know she is experienced, but oh, yeah. I, I wasn't impressed by Casey O'Neill here, to be honest. Yeah. Even though she destroyed her. She, Roxy, Roxy was there to be finished, uh, yeah. you know. And okay, Casey O'Neill, she ended up winning a split decision, but we talked about it, it was a pretty dominant thirty twenty-seven win. So. You know, uh, maybe if if she had to, she could have upped it and put Roxy away, but was happy just to to take the win. But yeah. if you want to, yeah, maybe it's better for her that she didn't finish Roxy and she can kind of slow build herself up a bit more. Indeed, yeah. And uh, look, as you said, there might be good uh, more things to work on. She'll she'll see things from that fight that she can get better on. But yeah, probably need to slaughter all. We're talking about maybe she could be the, the one to beat Shevchenko. And now someone is coming, and maybe she will be. But. uh yeah, I wasn't as impressed in this fight as I have been in other ones, to be honest. And, you know, maybe that's a function of Roxanne, but, uh, yeah, it wasn't the best uh, display for Casey. And for Roxanne, you know, she's retiring, been around for a long time. As you said, a veteran, not a legend, I would probably say, but uh, and a lot of people might disagree with that. But she seemed like a lovely person and seemed like she'd be a good coach and very, very tough and very, very gritty fighter that's been there and a pioneer, I suppose, is a, a, the good way to describe her. And over the last, what, five or six years, she has improved a lot from Massively, yeah. before, but it's just, uh, you know, the game's passed her by, really. Um, she's she she's tough and all that, but I think Casey O'Neill said it, it's not really great when your best attribute is being tough these days. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Uh, Kyler Phillips really impressed me. I know our boy Spencer Kite is a big, big fan of his. Uh, he got they, they put it down as a triangle armbar, but that was not a fucking triangle armbar. That that was a tri- or uh, an armbar. That was all armbar. It seemed like Kyler Phillips was out there trying to prove that he's a well-rounded martial artist. I think yeah. he probably could have he was going for takedowns when he probably could have put uh, Rojo away uh, on on the feet earlier yeah. but yeah he got the he got the finish he kind of got the time inside the cage he showed a bit of his game so all around for Kyler Phillips a great a great uh, he did get a bit tired but, though I thought towards the end of the second uh, but he looked more alive again in the third maybe that's one issue like Rojo was <sighs> Rojo was there for the taking as well I thought as you mentioned from the very start he was just kind of a, a punching bag for him and like I, I think uh a big thing throughout this card, and it's it's a topic myself and Harry are going to talk about in Speaker's Corner, but there was a lot of mismatches, I thought, on this card. Um, and it's something we haven't seen down through the years in the UFC. Now, we've criticized the matchmaking, but it's usually like the timing and, and things like that of the fights. 
very, very odd to see mismatches in the UFC, but I think we're seeing them more and more and more. And I think it might be a function of, you know, guys coming into the UFC with, you know, 10, 12 fights, where before they come in with 20 and they'd be exposed. And, Should we uh, see guys in there with three, four fights yeah, now? That, that's you know, wrong, a couple yeah. of, like Ulberg on the card here, Jacob Malkoon, mm-hmm. like, you know, coming into the UFC with barely any experience. Yeah, I think there, there used to be a thing of UFC caliber that we used to talk about. And no, it doesn't just exist anymore. Yeah. Like this, this um, Ronnie Lawrence fight. Okay, he did get knocked down and almost got knocked out, but that to me was a massive mismatch. And it's it's tough to know how good a fighter is after ten fights. You know, it's very very tough unless you're Chris Weidman and you're you're about to fight Anderson Silva and you've fought Damian Maya and others like that. It's very very tough for you know Ulberg or any of these guys and then to matchmake them that way as well. If you're not say someone like an Ian Dean who has been watching them since they're fucking amateur and knows their coaches and knows everything about them if you're Sean Shelby and you've 600 other lads and, and uh, Mick Maynard as well uh, to match it's very very difficult to know all of these intimately to match them in the right way and I think that's a big issue for the UFC and could see some very very bad mismatches uh, down through the years but we, as I said we'll talk about that on um uh, on Speaker's Corner. Ulberg, you know, we, we kind of touched on that earlier on. He just touched Sharon from the outside throughout the whole fight. Not great. A boring domination from the outside, I have in my notes here. Landed one shot at the end of the first, and the, that was about it. As I said with Lawrence, he was smashing uh, Martinez in the first and second. He was miles behind, but a massive spinning back fist. And it was a spinning back fist. Usually these are spinning forearms, but this was fist to chin. Uh, and then uh, you, I, was just, I was thinking that at the time do you think it's actually harder to hit somebody with the the forearm it's like kind of like a small baseball bat in the hand which yeah. is a bunch of kind of small bones I think it's actually I was thinking about that it's strange you brought it up there I was thinking about that at the time it's like it probably is more beneficial to hit somebody with a forearm than a back fist yeah it's, I, I suppose with the, the fist would be more accurate, maybe, but the forearm might be harder. <laughs> if you get me, like, the, if you hit the fist with the right spot, but the forearm, I suppose, like, remember that time Paul O'Connell threw that spinning forearm and just, like, fucking smash, like, it'd break noses and break jaws and everything like that. So, yeah, I would, uh, if you catch the right spot, I think the fist is probably better, but overall, percentage game, I think the forearm is better, yeah, but. I wouldn't like to be hit with any of them. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, Jacob Malcoon, as you were mentioning there as well, got the unanimous decision over uh, AJ Dobson. Dobson looked good in the first round. He had Mark Coleman in his corner. Um, his takedown defense looked good, but then that gave up on him in the second and third round. And uh, basically, that was that. Uh, Moroz here, he was ahead. And I was talking about Kazakhstan being the next level uh, of, of MMA and all. He was smashing Andrade in round one. Really badly caught Andrade, but this is what we watch MMA for. And he came back, and Andrade hurt him badly throughout round two, on the verge of a 10 8. And then he choked him to sleep with a beautiful rear naked choke and uh, magnificent stuff altogether. Another rear naked choke for uh, Jeremiah Wells as well in the second fight at night against Blood Diamond. Um, <laughs> the funniest part of this was the start of the fight. I don't know what he was trying to do. It was like the anti-Masvidal. He tried to run around the side of the cage, just like fell into the cage, fell yeah, over. It was like nearly, I thought it was going to be a Jake Ellenberger thing where he, his foot got <laughs> stuck <laughs> in the cage. I'm like, what the uh, fuck is this guy it, doing? It would be the first ever TKO win without a strike being landed. <laughs> I wonder. It was, uh, it was mad. But uh, anyway, he recovered. 
Um, he got a body lock takedown. He was just absolutely smashing uh, Blood Diamond. Uh, as I said last night, the Fence landed more significant strikes than he did. And uh, <laughs> he got the rear naked. The Fence has been a lot more experienced than Blood <laughs> Diamond. Three and one, The Fence has been in more fights than anyone in the UFC, you know. Maybe apart from uh, Donald Trump. Don't mess with that fence. You be yeah, a lot of experience. A lot of experience. Uh, and in the first fight of the night, Maxine Grisham defeated uh, William Knight. I actually missed maybe the first few minutes of this, but William Knight came in 12 pounds overweight. Uh, fair play to Grisham. He took the fight. He got 40% of Knight's pay. Um, and then he got his win bonus here as well. So fair fucks to him. In fairness, he got a lot of money out of this. Well, probably like eight grand, but still. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, probably not a lot of money. <laughs> Congratulations to him. Uh, so yeah, that was uh, that was that card in full. And it was, uh, you know, all in all, as I said, it's hard, predictable, but some good stuff. And I, I'll take a few nice finishes, a few arm bars and a few rear naked chokes and uh, and a big knockout from Tyler. And a few weird incidents like Derek Brunson yeah. just falling off a cliff. Yeah, so, <laughs> overall, you know, I've talked myself into calling it maybe a fun a fun card um next week then we have ufc and bellator and the week after we'll have uh, bellator dublin so we'll have loads of coverage that as i said the two of us will be there and i'll be up from the wednesday as well at the uh, the media day and everything like that um uh, next week's ufc you know there's some fun stuff on it even from the the bottom of the card i like uh, david onama uh, versus Gabriel Benitez, that Mowgli lad. He's always in That's some a hard fights. one to call. Yeah, that, that could go either way. Yeah. Um, oh, you know, Chaz Skelly is probably going to ta- try to take down Marsh Kriegel, uh, Parker Porter, you know. Jackie Buckley's on the card against Abdal Razak Alassane. Now, that's a fun fight. That should be a fun that's, fight. That's yeah. a fun fight. Jim Miller's on the card. Always fun. Kyle Dawkins, Jamie Pickett. But, uh, yeah, the, obviously the main event of this card was supposed to be Rafael Dos Anjos versus Rafael Fazayev. Fazayev had issues getting a visa, and they're moving him onto the next pay-per-view. That that fight onto the next pay-per-view uh, even. So the main event will be Ireland's own Johnny Walker against Jamal Hill in, you know, the... Uh, and it's lucky they had this fight because if they didn't had this, you know, you probably would have been talking about Jim Miller in the main event, <laughs> you know, maybe because there isn't really much more on it. So um, I- I'm glad to have this fight. And it's a great fight. I predict Jamal Hill uh, will be a champion in the future. I think he's that good. I think he's fantastic. But Johnny Walker's a tough matchup for him. Now, he's still raw. Yeah, yeah he's still raw. raw. Go on. If, if, if Johnny Walker's going to fight him, it's probably now is the time. Uh, you know, while he's still kind of learning on the job, you obviously have high hopes for him. I'm kind of more of a, a wait and see with, with these guys. I've been I've been burnt before. So, <laughs> been burnt too many no, times. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's an important fight for Johnny Walker. He's trying to kind of, it looked like he was trying to kind of implement a new style. So we'll, we'll see what improvements he's made on that or if he, if he continues to stick to that style or if there's a different game plan for Jamal here, Hill here. Yeah, I think you know I, I I go with Jamal Hill here, but I wouldn't be that surprised if Johnny Walker can can get it done here. You know, uh, Jamal Hill. Uh, I know I know you've got a high hopes for him, but that that loss to to Paul Craig, it was a bit of an arm injury involved there, but he didn't look great in that fight. And you know, I'd like to see him. I'd like to see him have a few more fights before taking a step up. But uh, I think this is good matchmaking. We always. Not always, but we criticised the new matchmakers a lot uh, recently. But I think this is a this is a good time to make this match to make this matchup and a, a good matchup. In yeah, general. I agree. I think it's fantastic as well. Like Johnny Walker, he as you mentioned there, kind of alluded since he's moved to SPG Ireland. Uh, I think John Kavanagh has tried to change up his game and make him. 
uh, a more cerebral fighter, I suppose. Some people call it more boring, which it definitely is more boring because you couldn't get much more exciting than what Johnny Walker uh, used to be. But maybe play the percentages a bit more yeah, than just absolutely, yeah. so, throw everything at the at the at the, at the wall early. It, it, that's a good thing in many ways, but in other ways as well, I don't know. But we we will see. I, I look. I think it's it's a very fun matchup. I think Johnny Walker will try to fight a more technical fight like he did in his last fight in this one. Um, and against Jamal Hill, maybe that'll work and maybe it'll get him a five-round decision. Now, you know, this is five rounds now as well. Up until last week, they were preparing for three. So that's an interesting cog to this as well. But um, uh, who, who do you think that benefits, if anybody? I, it's hard to know, really, isn't it? It probably benefits Walker now because wasn't his last He's fight? He's been there before, yeah. yeah he yeah. went five rounds in his last fight, didn't he, if I'm not mistaken? Um, maybe you can pull that up there so I don't crash my computer. But Jamal Hill has never really been in that position. Um, yeah, it was a, a decision loss to Thiago Santos, yeah, and that was, indeed. Yeah, and that was the that very close fight, you know, where uh, I think everyone probably scored it for Santos, but it was it was relatively close. But that's invaluable to have with you know your new coach with a new way of fighting as well. So if he can come out and fight like that for five rounds as well, you know, I, I don't know if he'll win it. I don't. I think Jamal Hill. I think Jamal Hill will be looking for the finish. He always does look for the finish, but maybe it'll be harder to get. If he can't, I think he could maybe tire towards the, the mid part of the fight and maybe Johnny Walker will be able to take over so it could be one of these ones where um, Hill wins the first two the third is close and Walker wins the last two or something like that now it's hard, it's hard to tell that as well but uh, we will see I, it's one of those ones where there's you have one fighter who's changing everything in his game over the last couple of fights and another fighter who's only 10 fights in who lost a couple of fights ago and who won in like 15 seconds or maybe a little bit more in, in his last fight so it's a very, very interesting fight. Both guys very, very uh, high quality. I, I, I think I'd probably just about pick Jamal Hill because I believe in him an awful lot, but um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Johnny Walker won. So I'm looking looking forward to that fight. The card altogether, not not the best in the world. Uh, and then we come to the Bellator card. Bellator 274. And this is... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> this is not a great card. I've already done my uh, my preview of this uh, for uh, for um, for Shardog. Uh, anyone who's... And I actually don't think I mentioned it because I kind of ran past me on that. But Avi Ghazali, uh, he's 6-0, the submission artist. He's fighting Bobby King. So that's actually a good fight on the undercard. Brennan Ward. Brennan Ward is back after... I don't know. I haven't seen him in years. Good I don't know where he's been. Maybe I'll just miss his fights. You know, he, has, he retired and he came back. There's actually a great article on... Is it MMA Junkie or somewhere like that? My guy, Sean Shamrock, sent it on to me. Um if anyone could check that out he had like I think issues with addiction and, and different things uh, and he's coming back now so it's a pity he didn't put him on the Ireland card I would love to see him bring him more than Ireland I, I think he probably would have liked it as well yeah so. I think yeah I think yeah that would be a good idea obviously they're they're he's been a kind of at the top, towards the top of the division before and they're probably trying to slow build him back up here against a 10 and 10 guy so yeah I think uh, yeah hopefully he can it's, I, I actually didn't know about the drug the drug issues but uh yeah, obviously that's a that's a huge thing to overcome, and hopefully he can get back in the straight and narrow and get his career back on track. Yeah, so, so um, yeah, it's good to good to see all Brennan back. Um, what else have we on this card? Not much, to be honest. Uh, yeah. Saeed Soma and Davion Franklin, like Soma uh, beat uh, Vitaly Minikov in his last fight with that finger injury, so he could be getting a title shot here if he wins this in the heavyweight division. Not, not a bad fight. Nick Brown is the ex, I think, LFA or one of those champions. He's fighting uh, Nalo, who the dads, if anyone listened to the um, 
Uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe we were actually chatting about him afterwards. He's out of Faraz Sahabi's gym, and I know uh, Spencer was talking about him. He's saying he's a, a good fighter uh, out of Canada as well, so looking forward to that. Carcanyan versus Piccolotti, that's probably the fight at night, possibly here. Uh, Piccolotti is, is a very good wrestler, as is Carcanyan, and Carcanyan hits hard, and Piccolotti fights and throws a lot of shots. Uh, Koreshkov, we all know Koreshkov, he's fighting Chancer and Contra. Who, uh, yeah, I watched a few fights on him. Not the best fighter in the world, to be honest. He's a good fighter, but I think Koreshkov should have him for dinner. And then we've Neiman Gracie against Logan Sorley, which, look, if you're a grappling fan, if this doesn't turn into uh, five rounds, and this is the first ever Bellator five round main event non title fight, so this is an interesting one. And what a fight for it. Uh, we have a Jiu Jitsu artist against like an NCAA champion wrestler. Um, you know, it could be five rounds. So expect a really, a really bad striking uh, <laughs> matchup. If we do that, it'll be an interesting one because Neiman Gracie is kind of a good jab and fights from Lint, but Logan Sorley has power and he comes up over the top. Also, Logan Sorley is fighting out of uh, Sanford MMA, so it'll be interesting to see his improvements maybe in his striking, and that could be a big thing. He's twelve and one. He's only lost. I watched that fight. It was to Amosov, the champion at the moment, and he arguably won that fight. You know, if you give a card to Sorley in that fight, he could be thirteen and zero, and he could be the champion right now. Although that wasn't for the belt, but you know what I mean. Um, so it's a very interesting matchup. Both of thirteen fights, uh, uh, you know. It can... you know he's beaten Joaquin Buckley. He's beaten Iron Pascu. He has some good wins for good for fighter, an early like, career. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable wrestler, but like you're wrestling a Gracie to the ground, you're putting yourself into trouble. So we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. I'm sure both of these guys will back their ability on the ground. Storley will try to get on top. Probably you know get a bit of a lockdown on the leg hold him down and, and stop those submissions and Gracie will go for arm bars and go-go platas and all my platas and fucking triangles and the whole lot so uh, it'll, Andrew McGann will enjoy this one I would I would, uh, I would uh, argue so yeah not not the greatest fight in the world but we have Bellator Dublin coming up next week anyway so, or the week after so it gives a shit it'll be grand be all, all good all good uh, Bibiana Fernandez versus John um, Lineker was supposed to happen this week never happened unfortunately so that's uh, that's very unfortunate PFL's contender series or challenger series even is starting next week. Um, don't really know any of the lads on it, but there's you know seven and oh, eight and two, twelve and three, seven and three. Uh, you know there's some I'm sure some good up and comers on it. They've also signed a deal. Yeah, we 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 Linda with this. They've signed a deal with Channel Four. Um, to be honest, and they, they also said like Channel Four Sport, and that's not a channel, so I don't know whether there's some of them are going to be on the internet or something like that or maybe they'll all be on channel 4 or, or, or we, yeah mm. we'll see and also uh, Bellator have signed to be on BBC 3 for their uh, fight nights in Ireland and Europe I would say and in all the it's BBC 3 though isn't available on it's Sky back. it's back now I think I don't know if it's available oh, on it? Sky for us but the I channel I don't think so yeah. yeah maybe not but the channel went away and now it, it came back so and I, I don't know if it's back yet or not but that's where they're going to be which is definitely a step up but it's very weird I was talking to someone the other day about it Bellator like wax lyrical about getting on BBC a few years ago when they got on the, the, the website basically this is really what they should be waxing lyrical about like they're on TV now on BBC I know it's BBC 3 it's not one or two so it's a different but this is a this is a massive deal I think for Bellator it's a massive deal for PFL as well to be on Channel 4 yeah. well like you so, know people in Ireland have either Virgin or Sky and yeah. you know and they're going to have BBC 3 when it comes back I assume so it's huge it really is and like, Channel 4 as well for PFL so yeah it's great very good deals for both of them so yeah Fair, fair play to and no ads so that's that's fantastic BBC yeah indeed yeah so we will have ads on Channel 4 I think won't we yeah I think so but uh, yeah good good stuff out of B- uh, BBC or out of uh, Bellator and, and PFL to be able to watch them 
Um, so yeah, looking forward to, to that fair play to him. And uh, yeah, we'll obviously we'll be at Bellator next week. So we we said something nice about him for the first time in about a year. Hopefully, hopefully, all the Bellator crew will be will be lovely to us. But anyway, we leave it there, Graham. Um, fun week. Limerick lost again. Man United drew. Liverpool just about to play here in 20 minutes' time, so we good timing in the podcast. So not, not much to report, just usual stuff happening here. Um, Ireland lost to, to France as well. It's been a tough all week. Not a great all week. How, how have you been, Grant? Any, any crack for you before we go? How's, how's life in general? I enjoyed um, Man United struggling. No, no. Uh, why, why would you <laughs> to me now? talk about my enjoyment of the weekend. <laughs> Uh, no need. Uh, I would be more than nice to you, and this is the abusive text message you send me to during games. Is there any need for that? Like, and I facts. never replied to you. They're not abusive. They're just facts. It's a pure abuse. The pure abuse. I never asked for any of that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so you send me the same shit when Liverpool are playing. Uh, Liverpool are playing bad. now in twenty minutes, and I'll be getting this, this abuse. I won't be watching. I'll be watching. Actually, I watched the win. Always say, yeah. yeah, I won't be watching. And then you're messaging me, "What the fuck, ref? Come on!" <laughs> I usually just see it in Twitter. I, I'm not even watching those games. I watched the Wayne Rooney documentary yesterday. Actually, I thought it was very poor, to be honest. Like they, uh, they pretended like Rooney was like way better than he was, which is a bit weird, and uh, that the hype around him was way bigger, and that uh, he was no, like, "Oh, we're saving fair. English football. Oh my uh, god, the golden boy. Without him, we're nothing. Oh, he's gonna win everything." It's like that was never it. That was just delusional. Man United fans. No, the hype around Rooney was massive. What are you talking about? Okay, you can argue if he met the hype or not, absolutely, but uh, people were saying he was the golden boy. Like, they call him the white Pele and everything like that. That genuinely happened. Like, the hype around Rooney was massive. Look, Rooney went from someone who was massively overrated for years to someone now who's massively underrated, I think. You know, and that, that's what is his record like less than one and two as a striker he, yeah, well, come on, he, he was playing different he's the highest ever Man United scorer he's playing for Man United England taking scorer. penalties and shit like come on oh, will you come on that's just idiotic like if you want to have a real and, and they played that they were like oh what a goal the one that sh- oh perfect and all this the one that shinned in against Man City it's like come that's on great. don't rewrite history here so you just think Rooney was absolutely useless no, I think he was a good player, but he, he maybe he was a great player at times, but he was never world class. Uh, I, I don't know because I thought he was so. People used to be like, "Oh, Ronaldo, Messi, and Rooney." No, well, that was like, ridiculous. Absolutely, about, that was ridiculous. But but that was the kind of tone that it the, was at the documentary talk. In my opinion, they no, were kind I don't of think it along is. those lines. Like they were making it out like, "Oh, he was but some kind of." We've I, never I, seen this before. It's like we've seen this before. I, I think the one thing they did well was say that Rooney, like. He was more of a team player, and it actually like took away from him being a world class player. I don't think necessarily that was true in terms of took away from him being a, a selfish player like Messi and Ronaldo. But I do think the fact that him being a team player was something that gets overlooked when we're talking about like the best ever. Because Rooney was he uh, Rooney yeah. socks off, and he would score great goals and do great things as well. Like I, yeah, he, had, he had he had times when he was great, but uh, over his career, well, yeah, definitely. You, but you another thing, they were like, hold on, hold on, hold on, knocking out people all over the place. Yeah, that was bullshit. Shut up. You can't argue though that someone who's Man United's English top scorer ever isn't a great player. Though he was definitely a great player. He was at times, but at times he wasn't. But at times, at times. He was, time, he was, he was hyped to be this world-class, like, oh, it's between it's between Messi and... No, nah, but, okay, leave that for a side. We've already discussed that. That was, that was a huge narrative throughout his career. Like, it, I don't think it was, to be honest. I think that's something you picked up on and it wasn't really... No, like no, that, you remember that well, Yeah, Sean, no, no, that yeah, was but a big no, thing hold for on. years. Only for, oh, not for years, only for a while. But that's exactly why I said he 
was someone who was massively overrated during that and then it turned into like oh Wayne Rooney's never met his ability he's never Wayne Rooney was like the, a, a starter for Man United in arguably the greatest team in Premier League history when they won like three out of four uh, um, uh, uh, Premier Leagues and when they got to win the Champions League and got the three out of four Champions League finals he was a fantastic player now. like it's ridiculous I don't know it's, people are just so badly kind of uh the, the problem with Ray Rooney is, right, he got built up massively when he was 16, then he kind of got brought down, and he was built up again, England captain, and then everyone's like, oh, he's not, he's never fulfilled yeah, he his potential. He absolutely career, fulfilled his, what you're saying. his Yeah, potential. so at times he was great, at times he wasn't. It's kind of like what I was saying, uh, and he was no, hyped to be I, I better than he was. If he wasn't very, English, very good. I, I think it would have, like, if he wasn't English, if he was just a random foreigner from no. any country, pick any country, I think the 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 hype around it wouldn't have been as much and the the history or the looking back on it would they wouldn't have looked back so fondly uh, I don't think so I think he was a way more consistent player like okay his legs went when he was about 32 but before that from 16 to 32 Wayne Rooney was a fantastic player like people look back at Eden Hazard sure, and say, oh, he was we, a great we, we, player we're going to talk about this forever and we're never yeah. going to agree on anything to do with Man United or, no, or the opposite I, way to I do with know. Liverpool I, I, yeah no but it's it's not a Man United Liverpool thing this is Wayne Rooney like I'm I was never the biggest fan of Wayne Rooney even when he was a, uh, at Man United to be honest especially when he tried to move away was that because of the move yeah yeah, yeah. I didn't I didn't like that at all to be honest and I've never Once really a blue, liked always a blue I remember that yeah, yeah but uh, <laughs> there was a, I, I just think sometimes we, we can't adjust to reality because of all the fucking hype and everything like that and I never bought into any of that hype very very good player who was never Messi or Ronaldo or anything like that but absolutely like yeah. you'd have but him maybe in a it's team. like the Tony Ferguson thing we talked about earlier where people hype him up too much so you kind of have to come in more on the other side to, to yeah exactly it up. and then and then it's not evened up because it's it's far right and far left <laughs> yeah like it that. actually you know, it's, yeah. It's mad. it is mad but anyway yeah we look we, we leave it at that uh, uh, and anyway and, and the main point the documentary they like glossed over all the good parts of his career like talked about two or three bad parts talked about him cheating on his wife and didn't even really get into the cheating thing or they didn't they, yeah, just they made of, a real big thing out of it but then they said nothing about yeah, it and nothing. they took up like half the documentary yeah, it was just like, don't watch it it was a terrible documentary like it was uh yeah i don't know it was it was odd but anyway um watched anything i watched a bit of pam and tommy uh, I watched the first three episodes. I don't know whether it's really shit or really good. I can't. I can't really tell. But and I started watching. I've the only seen so. the trailers and it looks terrible. So yeah. I just, uh, Seth Rogen is in it though. It's. Uh, I thought at the first it was actually a documentary, but it's not. It's like a um, a TV show. But uh, yeah, be weird. Yeah, it'd be way more interesting if they just made a documentary. Yeah, I think it would as well. Yeah, but anyway, uh, my boy Robbie Fox had Tommy Lee on his podcast. So I'll probably just go and listen to that. That could be even better. But anyway, look, we leave it at that. Um, the 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 post show was well, fun. Post show this week. We're about Wayne Rooney. Anyway, right, we will leave it at that. Thanks everyone for listening, Graham. End it with your quote of the week. I was looking for a job and then I found a job, and heaven knows I'm miserable now. Beautiful. We'll see you next Tuesday or Sunday or whenever time. Good luck.